Hey, you there? Uh, you there, Matthew? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, awesome. You okay, technical difficulties. Right now I have you up on my computer, but I can also try this same URL on my phone. What do you think? Um, we can hear you fine here. Yeah. Can you hear us? Yeah, no, perfect, perfect. I'll even crank you up a little bit. Oh, good. I'm glad I found you. Okay, give me just a second here, because we're not we're not live, right? No, uh, no, no. Oh, good. So we so we can goof off and do all kind of stuff. Oh, okay, good. I, actually, right, it just, just started. Second. It yeah, did just. Wanna, oh. It's totally cool, man. Awesome. Let me, yeah, let me let me let me crank you up here. So. Uh, cool. I got you dialed in. Um, People can see the behind here, the behind the yes, scenes. Yes, for anyone listening, it's the behind the scenes of how we're. <laughs> yeah, this is the dirt. This is all the glamour stuff they never tell you about. Okay, I got <laughs> you. So, um, I can hear you okay, and you can hear me good, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll go ahead and uh, kick off. Um, but welcome everyone to the Magical Stories of Healing and Spiritual Gifts podcast. My name is David Staub. I got my lovely wife Megan with me. Hi guys. And we are super excited to talk to you to a Matteo. Did I say your last name right? Uh, Palarmi? Palamari. Any Palamari is a Palamine. <laughs> I love it. You've never ever used that before. I learned it in the uh, the first grade when that's what the kids started saying to me. <laughs> I love it. And from your yeah. bio, it sounds like that's when you basically began studying shamanism around the first grade, huh? <laughs> well, as soon as I learned I could hyperventilate and, and then <laughs> sniffing glue and then cannabis and everything else that came after that, I was always wanting to have every experience I could possibly get. Uh, within Man, I love my models as a kid. I love it. I'm so much of an extremist myself. I totally vibe with that. Um, so to introduce everyone uh, to, to you, uh, Matt, you go by Mateo? Yeah, well, anybody who knows me in terms of ayahuasca in the jungle and Peru and all that, um, they know me as Mateo. Some people only know me as Mateo. Now, brother, uh, that's what I want to call you. I want to call you Mateo then. We'll do that. Uh, Mateo is an award-winning writer. He's a musician, a sound healer. And this is so cool because I, I feel so like driven to speak to you for so many kind of aligned with so much stuff that I'm interested in. He's also been studying and incorporating shamanism into his life, basically all your life. Is that right? Pretty much. I mean, I was doing a lot of shamanic stuff before I even knew what it was, if that makes any sense. That's yeah. so cool, man. It was like yeah. ingrained in your freaking DNA. Absolutely. Um, I want to know. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Originally. Where are you from originally? Well, okay, where, so I grew up in Boston, in, in huh. Dorchester, or as we like to say, Dorchester, where I parked my car in Harvard Yard. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, just as an example, um, Maki Mark Wahlberg, the actor, and Donnie Wahlberg are both from my neighborhood. I'm a little older than they are. But we grew up oh, in wow. okay. That's yeah. so cool. Oh my gosh, I remember I was one of those kids that didn't want to like fit in with everyone and my grandma got me a new kids on the block t-shirt when I was I don't like elementary. And oh. I cried because I didn't want to like be like everyone else wearing them, which is so funny, thinking of <laughs> Marky oh. Mark and man. That's sweet. So Going back to like, you know, where you were raised and, and all, um, were you raised in a spiritual environment, upbringing? Oh, hell no. 
So, <laughs> um, so um, I grew up. So one, one more little thing to say that the little story about the, the cute story there about the t-shirt and all that. Um, in yeah. terms of the neighborhood, I was the kid that your mother told you to stay away from. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I grew up um, in a uh, Irish Catholic neighborhood. And it was all the parochial schools, although I used to call them Pinocchio schools. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my grandmother was a raging Catholic. Um, I was always skeptical. And I remember being a little kid and like seeing these guys going out and getting drunk and getting in fights and beating their wives. And then they'd be in church on Sunday morning, um, all pious and stuff, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Can, yeah. I say, can I say curse words? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've gotten myself <laughs> on the air live. And so, <laughs> so oh, you're totally I, I like five or six years old. And my first thought is this is bullshit. I ain't buying this shit. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, I used to, you know, we had, we had our own little tricks. Like I would get sent off to church in Sunday school. And of course I would play hooky and I would take the money I was supposed to put in the basket and go buy donuts and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, never, I love it. I, I never did it because I wasn't this bad. But a lot of my buddies, they would take, put their hand in the basket like they're putting money in and they would take it out. I would oh have a really good time afterward. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, wow. yeah, I saw the hypocrisy. Uh, my old man did hard time in prison. So I was on the streets kind of at a young age. And so hmm. um, one of the things I said about my book, this is all in my book. I have a memoir, Spirit Matters. But, um, nice. you know, it talks about all this, but, but in, initially I, I just thought, um, I'm not poor. It's just that everybody else is rich. I mean, I really thought like that. Um, oh, wow. But I escaped and anytime I've ever saw anything going in a particular trend or, or the newest thing or, or a fad, I typically run in the other direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in school, I was when I was a kid, like I was nine, and I was pissed off because they were making me go to school and they weren't paying me. Oh my! <laughs> anyway, oh I my go gosh! On and on and on. But I've always been um, rebellious, and now I'm at this point in my uh, life, I'm very thankful for continuing to be the rebel. Wow, that's so awesome! I couldn't imagine as a child seeing that hypocrisy. I mean, it had to kind of, sh and and then everyone. It's got got to kind of shatter your viewpoint of, of religion and all that when you see in the hypocrisy right there in front of your eyes. I mean, no wonder it was like, I'm going to go buy some donuts because at least I know that's real. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I can see where the, you're in the end. I just hated them all. Um, yeah, I was involved in politics when I was nine. I was working on a governor's campaign in, in Massachusetts, wow. you know, where I was raised. And, nice. and yeah. And uh, I'm full of them. <laughs> anyway, so I, I was involved with politics. I, I was indirectly involved with the Kennedys and blah, blah. And I got tired of that Whoa. stuff then. And I walked. And, and over time, I came to the realization, and this is everything I say is all in my universe. Yeah. Um, everybody can have their own universes. So I'm not saying this Absolutely. is the about existence and, you know, I am a guru and follow me off the cliff or whatever. None of that. Um, Hell yeah, man, dude. Well, yeah, whatever you is your your uh, your experience. I love it. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah. All right, thank you, bro. Um, so yeah, in my in my reality, politicians, the clergy, big business, 
the mafia. Mm-hmm. No difference. They're all the same. Yeah. Man, I totally couldn't agree. freaking agree with you more. Yeah. yeah. 1,000%. So I, so, so I, so I, I don't, wouldn't want to go and be, okay, they all suck. I hate them all. Uh, I could go <laughs> and find them all and give them a big hug and blow myself up or something. But frankly, they're not worth my energy. Yeah. Right. So, totally. Yeah. So what I, what I prefer to do, uh, I'm laughing at myself, but I've always been subversive. <laughs> Like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm 64. I've had a lot of experience in different realms. And now if I can influence younger people, which I do constantly. Yeah. And let them benefit from all the bullshit that I went through. Yeah. yeah. Man, I resonate right. Dude, that. that's the realest way you could have said it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they could, they could, they could literally almost leapfrog me in consciousness. Maybe, maybe, maybe 20 years of my fucking battles. Yeah. Man, right? yeah. If you think of it in terms of, uh, hey, I, I went there for you, right? Yes, wow. man, uh, man, I did that. You are, you are yeah. lost. I mean, you know what's happened to me over the years? So, you know, I've been going into the Amazon. I've been working, I'm going to the Amazon for 20 years working with ayahuasca, plant dietas, blah, 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 blah. And I studied it for 10 years wow. before that. And when I first started going, my, I'd come back and people would say to me, even people who weren't into the plants, right? they'd say to me, thanks for going there for us. And thanks for going there for me. And it took me a while to figure it out. And I finally did, um, you know, in my own way. So um, if I could do that in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, and I'm being a little facetious, but in a subversive way, and I influence younger minds who are picking up the reins because I'm 64. So um, I don't want to say I'm on the downslope. But I think my, you know, my prize fighting days are over, I think, at this point. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, man, dude, you are, you're, you're the epitome of using it. Like, you're literally like a, such an influencer now in all these things. I love what you said. You said it in the most real way you could. Like, all this shit you went through, you tell people about it and they can kind of like learn from that, you so know? They don't have to go through it. Yeah, um, yeah. And man, I could, and I could freaking, I get it, man. not even, it. not to go off on a tangent, but, you know, no, something that's been fun. coming. <laughs> well, something that's been coming to me. This has been more of a recent realization, um, which it might have been obvious to you for a lot longer. But as, been, as I've been going through my uh, spiritual awakening more and more, man, I mean, I know this might be controversial. I know this might be extreme, but dude, uh, and this comes from someone that I grew up straight up conservative military household. I was in the Marine Corps myself. Like oh, I was on the know. other end so much because I was I was so freaking conditioned and programmed one. I'm not saying nothing bad about it, but I was oh, conditioned no, 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 no. one way. And now, man, my eyes after ayahuasca, I swear it's like a veil's been pulled over. And I'm like, dude, the government's freaking evil. I'm not saying all the people that are in it, they might not be aware of what's going on. Maybe no. maybe some of them might not be aware of what's going on. But man, the more I see it, the more I'm like, wait. When I start to connect the dots. Dude, there's yeah. like some kind of dark spirit taking over the government that's like making us. I mean, I don't know, man. I, politicians, can, yeah. government, it's so extreme. A, but I yeah. really think they're evil. Yeah, I, I could, I could give you a rap about that if you would like. But I want to commend you for, for you. You said you were Marines. Yes, sir. Good job, bro. I was Air Force. Oh, good stuff, man. Hey, yeah. we're all so, brothers. We're all part of that same team. I always, uh, growing up in that state of mind, I hated all that the most. And I thought the only way I'm going to survive this is to punch myself in the middle of it. 
and then figure out what's going on there. And then if nothing else, I know the enemy from the inside out. Yes, sir. That's right. You know, metaphorically speaking. Right, right, right. Of course. So um, I, I have a sense of how it works and I have a sense of the things I learned on the street. I was a street kid, all the gang stuff, blah, blah, you know. Um, yeah. You know, that was my upbringing in those times and how what I saw and what I observed. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things I'm going to put straight out. Um, ultimately, what I want the most out of existence is truth. Hmm. And it's it drives me. So Power. one of the things I discovered in a big big level, deep level, is that one of the best ways to find the truth is to face your fear. Wow. And that's one Dude, of the most yeah. tremendous lessons I learned from ayahuasca. Because ayahuasca will take you there yeah. and rub your face in it, and then it'll spank your ass, <sighs> and then it'll throw you up into heaven for a while, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the heaven part. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, you got you know. I, I used to work with a crazy chief from the Navy who drank all night and came in and worked with us on this this, this thing we were doing. And he used to say to me, "If you want to fly with the eagles, you got to scratch with the chickens." <laughs> so you know, one of the things that I've learned about ayahuasca is a big part of the truth is trying really to find the center. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when you when you start to get closer to the center, um, then you if you keep working, you gain the ability to be equally objective whether you're in heaven or hell. Yeah, yeah. But but no, nonetheless, still being in you know full on awe um, in those yeah. moments, and even you know so tremendously powerful that you it's you feel like you simply can't take it you will cease to exist you just can't take anymore and, and exactly at the same time you're like i hope this never ends right you know right those threshold whatever you want to, those moments of awareness or whatever you want to call it right so yeah you know, man that's yeah yeah so i've always been about uh, about truth there's a famous um you know i'm a perspiring writer for like 36 years now and um, there's a guy, Robert McKee, who teaches a famous screenwriting class um, over three days, which I've been to. And he came to speak at the writers' conference where I was teaching. And I love what he had to say. And I got his book. And he and uh, and when he signed it to me, he wrote into me, "Write the truth." Wow. And that was like uber profound moment. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I can I, I can ramble on in any direction you would like. I'm at your service. Uh, but you know. Uh, <laughs> ultimately you well, guys are driving no yeah I, I love it man you know it's the truth aspect is so powerful because it's like we're conditioned so heavily to care so much what people think it like we, we people so many people nowadays are living a false life because they're basing all their decisions all their actions their freaking life off of what their family thinks off of what their friends think off of what right. the internet thinks off of like their political party all this oh crazy yeah. stuff um, so I, I love that. And you go to freaking ayahuasca and man, that will literally remove any shit you think you know that's full of that, that's, that's BS. Like it just wipes it clean. It's like, hey, what you think you know, here's here's your eye here. Now you're awakened. Well, and before ayahuasca, I would have never shared my story ever. Like yeah. I, it was a dark 
secret that I kept to myself all these years. And post ayahuasca, I'm like, I went from one extreme now, like the whole world knows, you know, it, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me ask you this, man. I It sounds like you've been through the ringer in regards to your childhood uh and yes your father locked up that's got to be so tough well what as a child what kind of a trauma do you feel like you you've endured let's just say yeah there was trauma but let's just say it's the programming yeah okay i get that 100 like you know my old man was a big band jazz drummer he was in the navy big band he was a private investigator and he was also a coding addict and he got popped. Mm. He embezzled a bunch of money from Chinese people and got sent away. Mm. Wow. Now, mm. I went through all my anger issues and la, 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 la. But looking back in retrospect, he was on the USS California in World War II and he got hit by a kamikaze and his buddy was vaporized and he had a plate in his head and all they had was coding. So I got to understand that his situation, you know, he was just doing the best he could with what he had. And all that. So, you know, one of my earliest memories, by the way, again, and I'm not plugging myself here, but all of this is in my memoir, Spirit Matters, and I and it's also an audio book. Um, oh man, dude, when you at the end, we want you to definitely talk on that. And uh we're we're grow uh we're we're just about at the one thousand download mark. We're gonna be publishing your we'll put a link to your uh memoir when we publish this on oh, all good. our channels too, dude. Yeah, thank you. There's there's um, God that you I've been talking with you for freaking ten minutes now and there's not a doubt in my mind it, it could genuinely touch anybody on so many levels if they can read what you put out there. So no worries, man. Plug yourself all you no, want. Good. Thank you and bless you for that. Um, yeah, so I, I narrated it, and my buddy, I have a buddy, Greg Friedman, who has a show called Inner Journey up in Laguna Beach, California. And oh, it's, oh, it's our favorite place. Oh. Yeah, so, he's, so we, we've done, I've done a bunch of shows with him, and then he records them, and we send them on his podcasts. So, um, God, there was a reason I was telling you that. Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I do that all the time. Don't worry. I do it every day. Well, but, if it comes back to you, interrupt yeah, us, and we'll, we'll definitely. In the morning. But, um, yeah, <laughs> right. So, oh, so I have to ask. Yeah, we post and we promote them everywhere. And like, um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's a podcast called The Psychedelic Salon, and I helped start that. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. We, we'd love to be on it sometime. That sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I can work that out. Lorraine, really tight. We went through a lot of stuff, you know. Are you familiar with Terrence McKenna? Oh my um, gosh. Yes. Yeah. Father psychedelics. I love Terrence McKenna. Okay. So the very, and I have a pictures of this and all that. The very first book, the very first hardcover copy of my historical novel, Terrence, uh, uh, Land Without Evil was gifted to Terrence, um, as a gift from me. When, um, well, you know, we knew he was dying. And it wow. might have been the last book he ever read. Um, so um, this is a, one of these funny little synchronicities you'll discover along this path we're on. But I went to my first ayahuasca session 20 years ago. And the first person I met was to a couple, a little older, and he was Larry. And they would kept talking about this book that Terrence McKenna was carrying around the Salt Chemical Arts Festival, and they were both dying to know what it was. What? They told me about this, right? And and um, 
you know they wanted to know and they want you know they wanted to read what was it and so right when we met and, and we were talking i said yeah i'm a writer and they're like oh what have you written i go on my novel right here you know it's just coming out and of course i popped my truck and i hand them the uh, copy of the novel and they both freaked out right what that's crazy yeah so lorenzo we became, cool. we became the best of friends and lorenzo started the psychedelic <laughs> podcast and i helped him start it because i had a bunch of recording tapes from the entheobotany seminars i don't know if you ever heard of those or not no that's awesome so in the mid mid 90s to early 2000s up until terence died actually every year they would have entheobotany seminars and they were um, week-long seminars and they were one was at the Maya ruins of Ushmal but mostly they were at the Maya ruins of Palenque and Terence would come and Christian Reich who was Germany's leading um, expert in shamanism Paul Stamets was there Sasha Shogun and Shogun came um, and you'd spend a week and every day would be um, there'd be three a morning seminar an afternoon seminar and an evening seminar like you know shamanic art or this or that and it was also a gathering of, of uh, musicians, um, artists, writers, and chemists. Wow. And so the chemists would all come with their latest concoctions. And Sasha Shogun was like grandfather, Papa Merlin, wizard of all. Um, they would sit oh. at his feet and he would he would draw pictures of, this is a DM. He'd say, these are my dirty pictures. Here's DMT molecule, you know, and then he <laughs> put it all down like that. And, and they were both an inspiration to me. Um, mm. So that's where I got to meet Terrence and we got to be friends and all that. And then, um, you know, the fact that he got the first book for my printing and the fact that how I met Lorenzo and all that, it's all kind of wonderful synchronicity, I guess is what I was kind of driving at. Yes, synchronicities are amazing. Now, They're when were I'm sorry. Yeah. When, no, when were you first introduced to plant medicine and psychedelics really in general? So when I was a kid, well, I love freaking, um, what, what, I can't remember the, you, know, you know, those things in the playground where you hang on and you spin around and get dizzy. Yep. 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 I know what you're talking about. The little twirly things. I got you. Yeah. I can't remember what the, the name for them. Anyway, <laughs> I love those. And then once I, uh, and I'm, and I'm, once I learned how to hyperventilate, I, I love that. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, but then, then I started sniffing glue and that was rocking it. Uh, and then I found cannabis and hash and then soon after LSD. And then once I found LSD, all bets were off. Then it was just full on like kamikaze, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and then there were other things back then. There were there were downers, there were more speed, there were coiludes, there were, you know, there was, I got strung out on speed a few times in, in my experimentations um Ugh. you know but got away from it there, there weren't as, there was none of this shit like they got now the only things that were psychedelic were lsd and mushrooms if you could find them and mushrooms were really really rare yeah 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 they uh I, lsd was super impactful in my life in regards to uh, overcoming binge drinking and stuff which was always my vice uh back yeah. in the day um but you mentioned something really interesting in your uh, the little thing you filled out before coming on. You said you've had to heal from lack of feminine energy. That totally fascinates me because I know there's like a divine calling for the healing of like div feminine, divine feminine and divine masculine. What did you mean like you had to heal from uh, lack of feminine energy and how did you do it? Okay. 
It's Uncle Mateo story time. Let's do it. <laughs> if I go on too long, cut me off. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the details. Okay. I was the original tough guy. Okay. I was, I was a street fighter. I was in Dorchester. I was always one, one, the smallest kid or the smallest kid. Okay. So I had to learn how to fight fast. And as I got a little older and I went into martial arts, I went into martial arts to learn how not to hurt people. Hmm or how to hurt them in a way to cause them maximum pain with minimum damage. Right. Because I had hurt people and friends of mine. One one guy got jumped with these guys and he got in a fight and he, and he literally beat this guy to death. Oh, oh my gosh. 14 years old, went to prison That's for two years, right? Now he wasn't trying to be oh. dead. He was that scared. Right. Right? And then I did nothing that bad, but you know, I, I, I messed up some people here and there. So anyway, um, I was the original tough guy. I grew up protecting, you know, I used to have to walk my mom home from the subway station so she wouldn't get mugged. I'd have to walk my sisters home from school. I got jumped a bunch of times, knives pulled on me, all that. It goes on and on. This is all in my memoir. Yeah. I I just, I had, like, no feminine. Yeah. um, And I wondered, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't, okay, I don't have uh, feminine. There's no gay thing here or nothing like that. You know, it was like, what? You know, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. So, um, my first shamanic dieta in the jungle in Peru, um, which was um, the year 2000, I had, like, uh, without getting into the details, because everybody's going to have to read the book or listen to the audio book. But I mean, yeah, yeah. But I, I had in my first dieta an embrace um, of the cosmic feminine. Wow. Now, wow. I'm total, if anything, I'm, I've been a pagan um, or a wild man or the whatever everybody else says, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm the anti whatever it is. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, I went into the jungle thinking, okay, the jaguars are going to eat me and snakes are going to bite me and I'm ready. Right, I missed what I was asking. Right, this yeah. is a real story, I'm, uh, and I'm I'm messing up my book, but that's okay. So, I um at one point I had um, a lucid dream because I was, I was working with ayahuasca and a plant called bobinsana, um, and and the dieta and the whole thing. So, I had a lucid dream, and for the first time. Having that lucid dream, and this is in the jungle, and it was a combination of the plants and the ayahuasca and everything else. But I had that lucid dream, and for the first time, it struck me, okay, you're lucid. Don't go trying to fly through the stars or breathe underwater. Just wait and see what happens. Mm. And I was aware of myself in the dream, fully aware. And I was fully aware of myself sleeping in the jungle at the same time. And I thought, okay, and this is happening to me more and more in ayahuasca, but I thought to myself, this is by location. And I was like, fuck. Wow. So I remained, you know, kept my mind there. And even though I was fully aware of both places, the fucking dream was more real. So you're gonna love the end of this story and I'm, and I'm gonna cut the face a little bit. So in this, I waited. Wow. And I was going to a place of, of gathering with my friend Teresa. 
and everything was Teresa. Teresa this, Teresa that. Um, it was all about Teresa. And then this energy came to me and said, um, um, you know, don't be embarrassed about how you feel about me or, or something along those lines. And would you like a kiss? And I said, of course I would like a kiss. Almost like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's, hmm. This is all in my book. It's been a few years. I'm just like, kind of the deal with the kiss. And that kiss was the most profound yeah. thing. She even said at one point, yeah. I think she said Santa Teresa. Technically Santa Teresa de Avila. So uh, I, I got that. And then when she kissed me, hmm. I woke up literally with a start, bouncing up out of my freaking bunk. Unbelievable, totally freaked out. It had been more real than real. And I was just totally pumped away. So I'm walking around the next wow. day before the next session. Wow. And um, wow. the, um, I was asking everybody, anybody know something about you guys, scholars, right? Anybody know about Santa Teresa? Oh, I had heard something, you know, but nothing really. So that night I went to the ayahuasca session and she came to me in full rapture. My body was just and she was speaking to me in Spanish and I understood every word and yet it was inside of me. And it was the most exquisite yeah. thing in the world where I she just literally kind of and I willingly yeah. let her in just kind of took me over and then I and, and then she like you know all this was like telepathic and she's like you know if you feel erotic feelings wow. towards me that's okay that's an expression of love. there's nothing wrong, wrong with that you know and I went through this whole thing with her it was incredible all right here's the here's the capper and again I'm wow. paraphrasing but uh, one of the deals my mom my mom left the planet about 15 years yeah. ago, but she was alive then. And one of the deals, first thing she said to me, wait a minute, you mean to tell me you're going to go sit in the middle of the jungle and hallucinate? And I was like, uh, well, yeah, actually, yeah. And then she heard on a radio <laughs> show and then her anxiety went down because she realized I've been researching all this stuff and I wasn't just going in there like, let's go get high kind of thing. So I had a deal with her as soon as I came, because when you're in there for 10 days, you're gone. Right, there's no right, phone, right. there's nothing. There's no electricity. Um, so um, my deal with her was as soon as I get out of the jungle, as soon as I can get to a phone, call her so she knows I'm okay. So I called her, fresh out of this, when I hit Pocalpa there. Yeah. I'm like, Ma, I know you're going to think I fucking really lost it and I've gone off the deep ends. But I got to tell you, I had this this fucking vision. And I told her more or less what I just told you. And she got really quiet. And I said, what's up, Ma? You, you gonna freaking have me ready for the little when I come yeah. home or, you know, and she go, and she's really quiet. And she said, I've never said this before to anyone in my life, <laughs> but you know, your grandmother was a Nazi Catholic. She assigned us saints to pray to. And your aunt was, uh, St. John, I'm a Santa Teresa de Avila, and every time I've ever done any praying for whatever belief I might have had in anything, I prayed to Santa Teresa. So that was it for me. Wow. 
So then, so here's a little bit of addendum to that. Me too. Um, oh my. I went through a period um, of becoming very emotional. At the, I didn't cry for like 30, 35 years. Never cried. And it wasn't like I'm not gonna cry. It's just like it ain't. It wasn't there. So I went through a period of um, little things. Right. I started bawling. My mom called me one day and she says to me, "It was my birthday." Oh, that's awesome! Happy yeah. birthday, honey! And the way she said it was so sweet. I just started bawling and bawling. I couldn't even talk. I was bawling my ass off. And since she said, "Honey, honey, you okay?" And I'm like, <laughs> and then she said. <laughs> to do with those double punch you know, work, work. and I'm like oh, that's awesome she's like just have a good coffee just get yourself together I'm here you know and I, I was going on for another five or ten minutes before I was really exhausted and then we talked well going forward from that and what I was getting in the ayahuasca during these invasions and all that is that um, what happened is that after I had those emotional releases um, my intuition went through the roof. Yeah, intuition feminine, intuition super, actually superior to logic. Wow. Intuition is connected with the heart. That. So my intuition went through the roof. And then I started becoming and working toward being more balanced. Because I'm still going for the center. Right? Dude, that is... That is beautiful, man. Wow. Yeah, man, the, um, it, there's so many things on that, you know, with, you know, your, well, first off, in case anyone doesn't know, because it's interesting, we get half the viewers that understand this stuff, half the people that listen have no clue about Yeah, can you, learning. something happened can you explain what you. I'm not hearing is. you very well. Yeah, but it's just not very loud. Can you hear oh, me no okay? worries, can you hear me now? Okay, maybe it's not oh, my answer. Ask me that question again. What's that? I can hear you just fine, yeah. Uh, some of our viewers oh, a dieta. are just yeah, sure, learning absolutely. about this stuff. Can you explain what a yeah. dieta is? So when you go into the jungle, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the tradition I'm working in is a really the oldest, most prehistoric one, in my humble opinion, and the purest. I've worked in like four different traditions, but this is the one I've been with the most. So... When you go into the to jungle to do a dieta, so dieta is it's diet, um, but it's you know it's a plant dieta, mostly. So when you go in, the idea is cleansing and purification and clarity, and it's and not only a diet in terms of what you ingest, but it's a diet from the world, from the news, from civilization, from stress, from people, because you spend most of your time alone in your tambo which is an open-air hut. I got pictures of all this stuff too, a bunch of them um, on my website. But anyway, you spend most of your time alone in your tambo, and they bring you food twice a day. And roughly every other night, you do an ayahuasca session. You also are working with another plant or plant wow. during uh, this 10 days. So when I had that revelation, for lack of better words, of Santa Teresa and that connection with my mom and all things feminine and, and mother, um, that's what sparked that 
experience I have. But overall, the years I work with, so every day you get a pitcher full of a plant or plants. So um, every every day I got a pitcher full of bobinsana, and I had to drink that pitcher every day with the ayahuasca sessions every other night. And then you would get either oatmeal, quinoa, or rice boiled. And then you would get baked or boiled pantanos, um, unripe bananas that taste like cardboard. And then you might get uh, a piece of chicken or a piece of fish. Um, most most of the time, though not always. And then um, no no soap, no salt, no shampoo, no mouthwash, no scents of any kinds. And then you get another plant. There's a couple of different ones that they've used, but Wayusita um, uh, is one of my favorites. They give you a bucket with plants, leaves in it, and you crush up the leaves and you mix it with water and you use that as a plant bath. Mm. And then with the ayahuasca, and they say ayahuasca is the mother of all the other plants. And wow. I worked sometimes, like last time I went, I worked with a, a brew of Renakia and Chuchuwasi, Anushpawaka, I mean, all these different ones. Um, so sometimes they'll give you a combination of plants. When I go down there now, they blast me because they know. And not only do I do five night ceremonies, but I, get, I, do, I do two ayahuasca journeys <laughs> all by myself in my tambo. Um Because I've been at it for a long time and they, you know, I'm, I'm one of them and you know, they're my family. And, and I've had all kinds of experiences with different plants. So you do this over 10 days and you reach tremendous clarity. And because you're ingesting plants, wow. natural foods, and you're giving plant baths, not only are you flushing the toxins out of your system, whether it's from sometimes from both ends, you know, which happens with ayahuasca anyway, but this can enhance that process. That, and then when you're sweating it all out because you're in the rainforest <laughs> and you're giving yourself plant baths, you're really immersed in plants and you literally become the jungle. You reach a really kind of a high level of awareness. Like I remember laying down in my tombow there with my eyes closed and then I um, I heard, no, I didn't hear anything. Because the jungle is noisy all the time, which I love. I just thought of this person. And I sat up and I looked over. And about like just a few seconds later, they came walking over the hill. You know, that kind of stuff, because you're clearing out all the shit. And all your ego stuff and your wow. ego are getting put in your face. Right? Yeah. So there's lots of part. Um, I want to make sure I get this in there while we're having this discussion is that the battle is really ultimately between the head and the heart and the head is where the ego resides and where the shadow really resides and they and they're they're trying to do the best thing so they're not bad misguided sure but not really bad they're trying to but that's the head and the heart so what mm -hmm. ayahuasca does is it brings you back to the heart which is superior and actually the heart has a more dense Denses, denser uh, synaptics and you know all of that neurons and dendrites it's much denser in the heart uh, which is more proof that the heart's superior to the head wow. so ayahuasca brings you to the heart and for me being disconnected from my feminine I was yes. out of touch with my heart because I was a tough guy right and I found out that's why my other book, oh. uh, The Center of the Universe is Right Between Your wow, Eyes. Wow, that's... Home is where the heart is. That's like a map. 
Yeah, it's a map of what I'm telling all this stuff I'm telling you. And I'm oh, giving I you a real writer's, writer's digest version overview. I get really deep into it in my books. In my <laughs> that also is came out as an audio book. That is awesome, man. That is so cool. So um, since ayahuasca, man, I have been thriving and like been really wanting to do a dieta uh like i just they sound amazing a dieta they sound sounds amazing it sounds like something i want to pursue because i feel like you get so in touch with the plants you learn about the spirits and all that it's funny because uh megan's a little not a little the opposite like he said you're in the jungle like there's cats there's snakes like that's scary and and i you know, my experiences, I've had to have so much healing from such severe, horrific trauma and abuse in my life that at the start of a young age that my ayahuasca journeys have been horrific and like so sick that I thought I was physically dying, like so like convulsing and just so, so, so intense. I can't, I feel like I need to do ayahuasca several more times before I can even that's, entertain that's that, very, very, I, that yeah, idea, you know, like, I just um, do. That shows great wisdom on your part. So, uh, okay, uh, oh, that's awesome. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, good. Yeah, that's awesome. I've always <laughs> been just laughing here. I'm having fun. Go ahead. I'm having fun here. With you guys. No, no, you go ahead. Um, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so one of my mentors, <laughs> and I, I, love I quote it. this in lectures all the time. It's probably in some of my books. It's a little story, an African story, proverb, or whatever you want to call it. When lions hunt in Africa, they will surround a herd from one end to the other or whatever they happen to be after. The older lions who can't really hunt and are missing teeth and all that line up all at one end and the younger agile hunters line up at the other end. And then the older lions start roaring their ass off, stampeding the herd right into the waiting hunters. Right? The moral of the story is always run toward the roar. Yeah. So, yeah, everything that we're mostly on. I love that. Of, I mean, there's common sense. That's awesome. Afraid. I'm not going to step in front of a Mack truck. Um, it's kind of, you know, that's common sense. But, but I mean, mostly what we fear is part of our shadow and our <laughs> shadow of parts of ourselves that we deny and don't understand. So that's where the gold is. And, and uh, when you first wow. learn um, the gifts that the shadow and the darkness have to give, once you embrace them and cease denying them and, and acknowledge them because they're there, then you begin to get more and more gifts. I mean, even for me, with my wonderful personal discovery of the feminine, is because I was afraid I'm a tough guy. I don't. They're gonna think I'm a pussy. They're gonna think I'm a faggot or something like that, right? You know. And that's the mindset I was conditioned into with all the violence and the racial stuff that went right. on, you know, everything yeah. else. So um, when you face that, and that was really impressive myself because before I had big breakthroughs, my very first short story collection is called "The Small Dark Room of the Soul," and. Uh, yeah, and, I, and, I, and and this is like before I really broke through. And I had a quote wow. in the beginning in the introduction, and I said, um, very, I'm paraphrasing again, I'll probably mess up my own quote, but various uh, spiritual disciplines have urged us to seek the truth. Part of that truth lies within a small dark room, one we are afraid to enter. That one, I appreciate some guy uses it for his podcast and his book. I'm like, go ahead. Mm. 
These are truth bombs, man. You are right. dropping so I'm many truth bombs. This gets back to what I said a little while ago about looking for the center, so that whether you're in the most blissful, heavenly, multiple existence-bearing spirit gasm of your life in heaven or in the deepest, deepest, get my words all mixed up. Deepest, darkest depths of hell. <laughs> when you really work center, you can remain within those situations and maintain because there's peace at the yeah. center. Yeah. What happens in the eye of a storm? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the power is. Shamanism Nothing. is considered to be a, center. Uh, among other things, the power path. Yeah. And the power path is there to lead you home, which is back to the center, which is the source. Which wow. is what we call anyway. Once we quit trying to deny it. <laughs> wow. So you you've been studying shamanism, like, are you? And this might be a dumb question, but are are you studying to like practicing to be a shaman? And would you ever consider facilitating, uh, or do you just like use it use shaman okay, so shamanism like throughout your things, day? Yeah. Or what's a, that uh, path looking like for you? I had a podcast with this guy last year, and he named it "Everybody's a Shaman." So what I like to say now, over many years, is that everybody's a shaman except most of us. Oh, don't that's know cool. It. I don't like. To, I won't call my. A lot of people have called me a shaman. I don't like it. I even <laughs> yelled at a guy on a show one time for calling me that, and then I realized that I was making too, too big of a stink, and I was actually drawing too much attention to it. <laughs> so then I started to say, um, "I'm a. Uh, I like shamanic explorer, which I have on the webpage, but I don't want to call myself shaman. It's such a pop culture thing, and." I would give a lecture on shamanism, like someplace, and invariably some cute little hottie girl would be running up to me. Oh, my boyfriend's a shaman. Here's his business card. You know, some nineteen-year-old kid, right? And I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna puke, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! You gotta find everything you can not to. I don't want to be that. So I've been, I've been facilitating for. Let's see. 15 yeah. years about I've been facilitating, and I, I mean, and I got really hot about 12 years ago, and then people started turning wow. me into a guru, and so I bailed for a while. I don't want to play that shit. But but now I'm realizing that was that. Wow. Now and you're so when you say facilitating, you're you mean you've been for 14 years facilitating ayahuasca, right? Now, have you ever facilitated so, like anything um, like San Pedro, Iboga, or any other plant medicine? Course. And as part of that, we spent time in the jungle. We spent time um, up in the Andes working with San Pedro shamans. Um, we spent time on mushroom journeys. I went, I you know, I went, I did the, I did the, um, I did the whole uh, Wichole. Peyote hunt uh, to Wiracuta. I did the all night ceremony. I did the pilgrimage to Mount Kemaro. Um, I've been doing all this stuff. I've done all these things, and so I'm very much so in cool. all the traditions. So even before all this, I probably—I'm not kidding you—I must have taken thousands of people on the first LSD trip. Uh, and back then it was all four way. And back then when I took somebody like that, <laughs> I was such an acid head. When I took somebody like that. I would double. I would take twice as much as they did, and then they'd be out there flying and freaking out. And I look at them, and I, they'd be losing wow. it. And I look at them, and I go, "I took twice as much as you, and everything's fine with me." And bring them right back, you know. 
Um, I've done. Well, it's experience more than anything else. I mean, you know, I I joke about it, but I I trained for LSD by hyperventilating and sniffing glue. You know? And then I did LSD in mushrooms. Maybe I was training for ayahuasca. (laughs) Right? But I mean, I've worked with all these different plant medicines, and now I like to say, wow, authority on it. Yeah. I am an authority on shamanism. You know, my historical novel, Land Without Evil. Absolutely. Um, came out of an honors course in anthropology. I got the nod from the anthropologist and I got the literary nod. I don't know if you saw it on my website, but that got turned into an amazing stage show um, in Austin, Texas. Uh, back at 20. Oh, man. Yeah, we had 50 people in the cast what? and crew. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Dancers, video projection, music, songs, uh, costumes. Um, they were all all from Burning Man. They're all burners. It was such a cool experience. Fifty people on the cast and crew. And we did eight shows. Yeah. Anyway. Jeez, wow. that's awesome. Now, you talked about how, like, you know, like the more you do ayahuasca, how like spiritual gifts that may have been dormant, you know, how they can awaken, you know. What all do you feel like have been your spiritual gifts that you really have seen flourish and awaken from these, you know, yeah, experiences okay, so, with the um, plant medicine and the plant spirit? There's a, there's, a, there's a few things. One of the things I've been stepping into, both in writing and in um, psychedelics and shamanism, is accepting my elderhood. Because most of my elders and mentors are gone. There's a few left hmm. here and there. But I'm really carrying the torch. So I have to accept that responsibility to keep it alive. And I have to be there, like I was saying earlier, about being there, you know, subversive for younger people or whatever. I've got tons of knowledge and I've got tons of experience and I've learned a lot. And I'm older now, so this isn't ego. This is the fucking reality of it. Pardon me. Pardon my French. Um, Yeah, so that's a reality. And I've been been teaching writing for... No, absolutely. I love the confidence. I love it. You know, I've been, I've always been a bit of a a leader kind of person. Um, Even when I was in tech school, um, when I was in tech school in Mississippi in the Air Force there for electronics, they made me a student leader. Uh, It just always been a thing for me. My grandmother always pushed me to go my own way and I ended up becoming a leader because everybody was going with the crowd and when I'd go the other way, half if not all of them would go with me because I was always just going my own way. You know, if what you guys are all doing is fun, I want to do it great. But if I want to do something else, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going because I think I should be there kind of thing, you know? So that and and the uh, all of the experiences yeah. I've had and what I've learned and the value of the knowledge and the ways that I've learned, um, it's my uh, purpose, among other things, to share that. I've struggled all my life with my writing to be able to take a psychedelic experience, which is by its very nature non-rational, and put it into words for other people to have some sense of what it might be like because they may never get to do it. <laughs> yeah. All the stuff I've done now, how many people in the world have had the experiences I've had like that? I mean, right. that's so blunt. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I share it. They, they did an analysis on yeah. it. Yeah. I did the two years yeah. of And there are different, I won't get into the details of it, but there are different character characteristic types. Like there's a, the priest, the warrior, uh, the king, the server, the artisan, the scholar, um, and the sage. And uh, 
they did this sort of analysis on me and told me I was a sage with the warrior casting, which totally makes sense. You know, one of the other things a sage a sage is a storyteller and a teacher, and that's what I've been doing for all these wow. years. Wow. You know. So, um, that fits me, and that's what they told me, and so I'll, I'll take that. Right. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool to see how oh, like, yeah. how you evolved because like you would probably originally be like oh I'm a warrior, but then as you evolved and you've like grown and had this experience, it's like no, you're a sage with a warrior casting. Like that's that's yeah, you are a warrior, but there's this other part of you that like is a teacher and a mentor and like Thanks, is supposed bro. to that's why help I a others that's what I heal. That that's is the fruit of the labor, right? Yep. yeah man wow dude this is so cool like you're you've done so many things that i feel so i, I would love to just follow that path that's crazy um yes, man sir. this is so cool you um you've also written 15 books that's awesome uh we're we're actually megan and i are in our la our first book we've ever written uh is an editing now and it's called a uh, magical a story of healing uh yeah, but do you have any advice for first time funny. authors at all first off People ask me, they come to the conferences that I teach at and lecture at and blah, blah. And the first thing I say to them is, writing equals ass in chair. That's not original, but that's a very profound piece of writing wisdom. <laughs> so the second thing I and you're making me plug myself yeah, in, but that's yeah. okay. I wrote a book. So, wow. Yeah, so I've been teaching at these writers' conferences, primarily the same Harbor Writers' Do Conference. It. Um, and Southern California Writers Conference, tons of others. And that's where I got to be mentored by Ray Bradbury. Anybody knows who he was? With Charles Schultz, Charlie Brown Peanuts. Um, famous, yeah, his son Monty still owns um, owns the conference. Oh, nice. But they were all my mentors. They took me under their wing at a young age and, you know, embraced me. Hmm. So over the years, what started off to be horror, fantasy, and science fiction, which I've written a lot of, I'm turned my workshop into fantastic fiction with a ph so, fantastic fiction vi uh, literature of the visionary supernatural mm. metaphysical horror fantasy and science fiction because i specialize in that and when i first mm. started teaching that i was the youngest workshop leader there for 15 years yeah uh, so what i discovered over time is that the shaman's wow. journey to the underworld where they get transformed in the jungle it's called being eaten by the jaguar that transformation is actually the origins of the hero's journey have you ever heard of the hero's journey joseph campbell so there are elements mm -hmm. of stories that are universal and and it's just as a case in point yep, yep star wars lord of the rings harry potter every single one of them follows the hero's journey it's that, that universal. Like falls in like wow. And those are some of the biggest cultural things in our wow. that we've had. And that explains why. Because you're hearing this universal archetype of story. Well, that all goes back to the shaman's journey to the underworld, where in the jungle they'll get swallowed by the jaguar. Awesome. In other cultures they're decapitated. Um, you know, in other cultures all their bones are taken out and then they're you know, supposedly replaced by quartz, all these transformational. And then they come back as a man or a woman of power. They come back with the Holy Grail. 
they come back with the ring from or get the ring to Mordor. Or they, they 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 have that victory because they face their darkest fear, which is the protagonist. The protagonist is actually their shadow. So my my part of all that is is as I wrote a book around that and my fantastic That's fiction amazing. book is called Fantastic Fiction: A Shamanic Approach to Story. So I wrote that book and it got an international book award for writing and publishing. And um, on the on the cover, it's a shaman dancing in the middle of a fire, which is the nice. transformation. So it's it's out there on Amazon and it's oh. an ebook and it's a tree book. Yeah. So it's totally accessible if you, if you really want to know. And I've had a number of nonfiction writers thank me for what they learned from that book that helped them in their nonfiction too. I appreciate that. We are definitely checking that out, man. This has been yeah. such an all. I could talk for hours more, but we're like at the last few minutes here. Um, what? Um, tell, bring us up to speed. What are you at now? What are you working on? And yeah, tell us how people can get in oh, touch hey, with bless you, you, my brother. And uh, yeah, just hit, um, plug away. <laughs> so, all anybody has to do for starters is Google my name, M A T T E W. Palomary, P is in Paul, A L L A M is in Mary, A R Y, and the first thing that comes up is my website, mattpalomary.com. So there's a contact form there. If anybody really wants to reach out for, for whatever different reasons, they can fill that out and they will email me, and we can connect that way. And then if anybody who does go there, I suggest drilling down through the menus. Like I have an audio section. And I probably got 40 other podcasts. There's a bunch: Psychedelic Salon, Inner Journey, Sea Realm, um, Black Light in the Attic. Um, all these. When I first went on the Psychedelic Salon podcast, and some people heard me, suddenly there were like six people wanted me on their podcasts. So anyway, I got a bunch of podcasts there. I have a video section where either lectures or radio <laughs> or TV shows I've done that were recorded are there. I have tons of photos of the jungle and the plants and all the stuff I'm talking about. And then there's a special section on the Land Without Evil show with all the fun stuff that happened there. And then there's sections on shamanism. There's links to my books, um, all, all that stuff. So if anybody goes and is really interested and drills down, there's lots of information. There's time. There's some writing, podcasts that are all there for the taking. And then of course, if you want to get deeper into some of the stuff we discussed today, take a look at my books. And I also have weird books. I have horror books. I have science fiction books. I have science fiction horror. I have. Supernatural thrillers. I got gothic horror novels. I got, I got a million of them. Anyway, my website's the best way to find me. And um, yeah, I want to appreciate uh, show my appreciate you guys having me on today. It's a lot awesome. of fun. So thank you for all that and everything else. This has been awesome, man. This and and anyone that has any. If you didn't, if you missed any of that that he said, listen back to it. Or if you want to reach out to us, we'll put you right in contact with this amazing man. Um, thanks so much for everything. The last thing we always do, we always end with one question. Uh, if you could leave the world with one message, we got one minute left, so this is good timing. If you could truth. leave the world with one message, what would it or be? Or maybe find the truth and never relent. Nice. Yeah. I love that. That is awesome. badass. There's that's a mic drop right there. That's the perfect way to end it. Thank you so so much, that's Mateo, fine. for being on here, man. Um, we look forward to staying in contact with you 100. It's crazy right. how much our 
our path is going towards so much of what you've done. So I would love to stay. We're definitely staying in contact with no, you. you too. Thanks again right. for making this happen. And you have a good yeah, rest of your, uh, have a good rest of your weekend, man. Do, you know, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Let's we'll make it happen. All right. You too, man. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, Bye-bye. Do it. Awesome. Happy healing.